and I will teach this lesson, but I may reach out to some of our other uh, ministers to follow up with some of these lessons. We've got uh, about four in this series, and I may follow with them and have them teach some of these on <clears throat> the Wednesday nights to come. But uh, we want to talk about a little bit tonight, faith under fire. Um, talking a little bit about the life of Jacob, and uh, actually not Jacob, Joseph, I said, uh, the life of Joseph, and pulling nuggets uh, from his life that uh, have a lot of meaning for us today. We talked about the fact that this year we wanted to really begin to uh, look at the practical sides of living for God. Sometimes we just need to realize that uh, there is a practical side to walking with God. Regardless of how uber-spiritual we may be, uh, there are still things that happen, situations that we come across that, you know what, we're just going to have to deal with uh, because not everybody in this world, and I'll take it even further than that, not everybody in the church is uh, what they need to be at all times. And so in our series, uh, Faith Under Fire, we uh, part one tonight, you meant it for evil. You meant it for evil. And it's there on your paper in Genesis chapter uh, 37. And this is done in such a way that if you have a pen, you can write in these as we go forward and you can take these notes with you uh, to keep throughout the series. It says, and they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him and cast him into some pit, and we will say, Some evil beast hath devoured him, and we shall see what will come of his dreams. Don't you love the way they said that? Let's do that, and we'll see what happens to his dreams. You can almost uh, uh, feel the, uh, the venom dripping from their uh, teeth, if you would, the fangs. They were so angry and jealous at Joseph's. Uh, but it's important to understand, in Joseph's story, he did nothing wrong. He really didn't. Uh, how many of our own children, or how many of us in Joseph's position, when we are giving something uh, special, uh, would not be willing to put it on? In that day, we talk about Joseph's coat of many colors. Um, color was something that wasn't, especially many colors, was not something that was bold in those days or was common for everyone to have in those days. We were teasing uh, earlier this evening before service about uh, Renee on her cruise, and she's going to be going to Jamaica. And uh, I've, I've said I always I love the thought of Jamaica, such bright colors and all of the things. And, and uh, Brazil sometimes reminds me of the same thing when they have their festivities. I always see pictures and images of uh, such colorful attire and all the things that they are doing. Of course, I want dreadlocks too, so there's that. And, uh, uh, but anyway, um, in that day especially, Joseph was given a coat of many colors. Picture it today being an expensive suit that 
most of the people couldn't even afford to have. Maybe it was a, a $3,000 uh, name brand suit of some kind, but something special. Um, it was given to him by his father. He loved him. And Joseph, in accepting that gift and in wearing that gift and perhaps even in thinking, you know what, I look pretty good in this, uh, he did nothing wrong. Uh, anyone would have received a gift. Any one of the other brothers would have gladly accepted something from their father. And so we have to understand that, that in Joseph's story, the, the, on the, in the very beginning of it, let's, let's make that declaration of understanding that in all of this, this wasn't something that happened to Joseph out of arrogance. It's not something that happened to Joseph out of all of the other things. But the, having the coat of many colors and then on top of it, uh, Joseph being young and perhaps even naive in expressing to his brothers the, the dreams that he had, uh, they got exceedingly jealous with him because uh, in their minds, Joseph was perceiving himself to be better than them. Ever know anybody that just, you know, had a few things happen to their benefit and suddenly uh, the, the image that people have of them is that they think they're better than everybody else? And maybe that's what was going on. Maybe the brothers just really didn't like Joseph at that moment because of all the things that seemed to be going his way. He got the coat of many colors. And then uh, the dreams that he had about how the brothers were going to bow down to him. And he would be the leader in that family. Joseph was not in a position to become the natural leader of that family because he was uh, the next to the youngest son. So it would not have fallen his lot to be the leader. It would have had to go through a whole lot of other people. But somehow in Joseph's dream, that's how it was. The Bible points out that in that, you don't find anywhere in there where Joseph misbehaved, Joseph mishandled himself. You don't find in there anywhere that Joseph himself sought to be arrogant or overbearing or in any way do something that would warrant the behavior of the brothers. Uh, as we talked about last week, you know what? Sometimes you just have things happen to you that are absolutely not your fault. And that was what we find when we look at Joseph. He did nothing wrong. But the Bible teaches us that believers are going to have problems from time to time in this world. In John chapter 16 and verse 33 in the New Living Translation, it reads this way, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world, okay? Some of these trials will be regular problems that are common to the whole of humanity. You do realize Christians get flat tires from time to time. Sometimes our automobiles break down. Sometimes we lose our jobs. Sometimes we have uh, things happen in our house and Sometimes we find out we have termites. Nobody wants that. Sometimes we find out that we have automobile accidents. Sometimes we find out that our bodies are beginning to get older or beginning to get sickly. We will have those issues in our lives. And it's going to happen whether we are believers 
or not. And some of them are going to be common to the whole of human uh, family. Matthew 5 and 45 says, For God gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust too. In other words, uh, some things are common to all men. If you stub your toe, it hurts, whether you're living for God or not. If you're not living for God, you might say a few things you ought not say at that moment. If you are living for God, hopefully um, you won't say those things. But you understand what I'm saying. There, there's going to be some things that are common to all men, and we're going to have those, and God gives his sunlight. So regular problems are going to be common to all men. But there are other times when problems are specific to Christians, attacks from the enemy designed to discourage us. In Matthew chapter 5, it said, I'm sorry, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 8, be careful, watch out for attacks from the devil, your great enemy. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for some victim to devour. It is also important that we acknowledge that there are going to be times in our lives when specifically because we've chosen to walk with God and because we've chosen to live for God, the devil and his imps in this world will single us out and will seek to destroy us simply because of the life that we live, simply because we have declared ourselves to be a child of God. And it is going to be important for us to understand and be able to differentiate between those two. Make sense? And that's where we are. But the problems that we find hardest to understand and the hardest ones to cope with and overcome are the problems that have to do with our brethren. In other words, the problems that have to do within our own family of God, our own brothers and our own sisters. Psalms 55, 12 through 14, it says, For it was not an enemy that reproached me. Then I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me that did magnify himself against me. Then I would have hid myself from him. But it was thou, a man mine equal, my guide and mine acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked unto the house of God in company. In other words, if it had been a known enemy, I could have taken it. Had it been somebody that I knew did not like me, I could have understood it. Had I just known that it was from anybody else but you in this particular scripture, in other words, it was somebody close to him. Somebody, in he, even in his statement, he indicates that it was somebody that had gone to the house of God with him. In other words, somebody that he had worshipped with. Somebody that he had praised with. In our modern 
way, it would have been somebody that we came to an altar with and we lifted our hands and glorified God with. Somebody that you might have even heard their spoken words of prayer and maybe you were impressed by their ability to touch heaven's throne. It would have been somebody that gathered together in the house every Sunday morning when you did. Somebody that you grew accustomed to. Somebody that you weren't afraid of. Somebody that you thought kindly of. And it is that one that hurt you. Those are the most traumatic offenses of all. Because we don't expect it. Oh, I, I can handle it if it's from the devil. I can handle it if it's from somebody that I know does not like me. But when I'm truly hurt and offended by somebody that I've worshipped with and prayed with or perhaps even prayed for. You hear that, Gracie? Where are you? Listen to me, girl. Unashamedly, I have bribes. We'll deal with that later. That's why it hurts so bad that she won't give me the time of day. If you only knew how much I prayed for that girl. But anyway, that's when it hurts the deepest, isn't it? When it comes from those who are the... But we, we also understand, and, and Jesus forewarned us in Scripture, offenses will come. And they're going to happen. And there will be those times when we have those offenses that get triggered in our life. In Luke 17, verse 1, it says, Then said he unto the disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It is impossible to walk with God. It's impossible to live in this life without at some moment, in some place, somehow, in the years that you walk with God, I can promise you, based on the word of God and based on every experience we have ever had, somewhere your feelings will get hurt. Somewhere, even beyond your feelings, you will find a place where you become truly offended. I don't mean offended like this world dictates it now. Nowadays you say boo and people are offended. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about deeply, harmfully offended and hurt. The Bible calls this type of problem an offense. The Greek word skandalon means a stumbling block, something that causes one to fall, something contrary to expectations that brings disappointment, or the trigger of a trap. Let me read those again in case you're writing them down. The Bible calls them, this is the means, it means a stumbling block, something that causes one to fall, something contrary to the expectations that brings disappointment or the trigger of a trap. Offense is, is like the bait in a trap. It's harmless unless we feed on it. 
it's harmless unless we feed on it. Can I tell you the best thing we can do is not to take the bait. The best thing we can do is to let it roll off our back like water off of a duck's back because it is a bait, it is a trick, it is a tool of the enemy to bring division and strife into the body of Christ. And some of that, I want you to understand also, some of that is just life. You can think of people perhaps in your own family that you know love you, but still there have been moments in that relationship where they've hurt you. And guess what? They're still family, aren't they? You've moved on. You've embraced them since then. You've loved them since then. You've reached out to them since then. Why? Because they're family, and you just love them anyway. You have to. It is a fact of human nature that the closer the relationship, the more severe the offense. Most vicious legal cases, kind of like divorces and those kinds of things, become nasty and dirty uh, very quickly. That's why problems among the brethren and sisters in the body of Christ can be so severe. Because we expect better of one another. We, we believe better in one another. We, we just want to believe that they are there and that they love us as much as we love them. And all of those factors might be true. But in the body of Christ, even still, there will be those moments when we're going to have those differences. Jesus said it was impossible to live in this life and not have the opportunity to be offended. The question is not, will you encounter this trap? The question is, how will you respond to that trap? Because you will encounter it. You will face it. I would love to tell you that, you know, you give your life to the Lord, you become a part of the body of Christ, and nobody ever at Heritage Pentecostal Church would ever do anything to hurt you. I hope and pray they won't do it on purpose, but there may be offenses from time to time just simply because we're human. And Jesus told us it would happen. So one of the signs of the end time is that many will be offended. It's a sign of the end time. Matthew 24, verses 10 through 13, it says, And then shall many be offended. And shall betray one another, and shall hate one another, and many false prophets shall arise, and shall deceive many, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. That doesn't exactly paint a beautiful rosy picture, does it? Somebody said one time, that's just Jesus getting real. And sometimes I think that in the body of Christ, we just need to sometimes take a break and say, look, let's get real about this. It's going to happen, church. There will be times when you're hurt. There will be times people say things that are hurtful. Um, and again, we must remember, though, that even in those times, it doesn't mean they meant to hurt me. It doesn't mean they you know, we're, we're endeavoring to hurt me. I have to be careful about that. But it's going to happen. Notice that Jesus warns 
of false prophets immediately after his prophesy of many or prophecy of many being offended. He called false prophets wolves in Matthew 7 and verse number 15 because they prey on the wounded and the young, not strong and healthy ones. You and I are the most weak in our lives when it comes to our walk with God in those moments when we are walking in a feeling of being offended. We are the weakest. And Jesus understood that it's in those times that somebody can swoop in, a false prophet, and they can take advantage of the opportunity. And, or somebody that is young in their walk with God can be easily deceived. And they can look into the word of God and it can be twisted. How do you think cults get started? Many of the cults that have gone through the ages, guess where they got most of their, their uh, sayings from? From the word of God. They came from the Bible. And somehow they have convinced people to do some of the most ungodly of things using a book that is supposed to be the most holy book in the world. But because they have caught people in moments of offense, they have taken young children that have run away from home because they felt offended, they have felt hurt by their parents. They felt rejected by their family. And they caught them as they ran away from home. And what did they do? As false prophets often do, they come in and they want to share love. Oh, I'm sorry that your parents are like this. Or I'm sorry that your uh, church ended up. You know, they come in that way, you see. And that's why Jesus joined those two together to be careful, not just about the offense, but he immediately followed it by the fact that false prophets, they're drawn to that like a moth is to the light. And we need to understand the wiles of the enemy. In the moments of our offense is when we need to be so much more careful who we listen to and what we allow to come in at those moments. He, he warned them about that. False prophets tell people what they want to hear and not what they need to hear. Offended people are easy prey because the false prophet will come in and convince you that, yes, it's everybody else's fault. Can I just be blunt? It ain't always everybody else's fault. Sometimes we get offended because people just simply tell us what we just don't want to hear. Doesn't mean it's not truth. Somebody said one time there was a meme I think I saw on Facebook that uh, if the, the preacher preaches something that hurts you but's in line with the Bible, they're not the one that's wrong. Something along those lines. Trust me, folks, if it's in this book, it's for us. And the Bible even... Uh, said that it was going to be a two-edged sword. Why? Because sometimes it hurts going in, hurts coming out. But we still need to hear it. So be careful about this offended thing. I am, uh, frankly, I'm just so sick and tired of hearing this world's concept of being offended. You can't say boo without offending somebody. What happened to the day when we could just, we could have open discussions about many different topics? You can't even do that anymore because immediately somebody is offended. 
Uh, trust me, being offended doesn't, you know, we, we've, we've equated offense with disagreements, and therefore we can't even have healthy disagreements anymore. Let's face it, we're not always going to see eye to eye. And just because we don't agree doesn't mean that we're offended. It just means that at the end of the day, guess what? We've just chosen to agree to disagree, but you're still my brother. You're still my sister. Let's worship God. We agree on that, right? You see, there's going to be those moments, and we have to understand that. Uh, strong cities of ancient times had walls around them. It was their assurance of protection that kept unwelcome inhabitants and invaders out. All entrants were screened. In other words, they had to walk through the gate. And as they came through the gate, somebody inspected them, somebody watched them, somebody was there to make sure that they had a right to be there, okay? Those owing taxes were not allowed until they paid. Those considered a threat to the city's health or else were kept outside. In other words, a leper could not simply walk downtown Main Street. Somebody with a contagious, uh, deadly disease was not allowed to simply walk right in the gate. Somebody that was a known villain or a known uh, murderer or a known uh, person to do others harm, when they knew that, guess what? They watched the gates for them because they did not want them in the city. They knew that if they gained access to the city, they would hurt somebody, they would harm somebody. And so they had built walls, and they built those walls. Proverbs says, a brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city, and their contentions are like the bars of a castle. Once somebody has entered into the realm of being truly offended, it is as though they have put themselves in prison, and you can not get through the bars. Being offended is almost like self-incarceration. You have chosen to put up a wall. You have chosen, I have chosen to close the door. I have chosen, you have chosen to get into that cell and to close everybody else out that I think uh, has been a part of what has offended me. And we, we, we consider ourselves that way, and we have done that over time. That's the point of being offended. It is at that point that we close ourselves off to everybody and everything that we perceive as being a part of the group that offended us. That's where the cults come in. They, they entice people, and they actually get them to cut off all contact with their family and their past loved ones. Why? Because they want to convince them that nobody loves them like we do. Nobody cares for them like we do. And they get them to isolate themselves in that, you know, that, that self incrimination way where they just actually say, you know what, I'm going to cut myself off from everybody that I've loved all these years. I, I, I find it intriguing that after years and years and years of worshiping together that some people can find it so easy just to, to quit. I, um, I hope I, I can say this. Brother Treadway at Brother Dempsey's funeral, I wish I, wish I had a 
a tape recording of, of his message. Uh, he is an elder in, in the Lord, and, uh, but he was, he was talking about, <laughs> in his way, how the church is on the move. He said, they move in groups from one church to another. <laughs> he said, I've watched over the years as groups have moved from this church to this church and then moved from this church to this church. And he said, it's a big circle. He said, eventually some of them even come around and come back to the original place where they were. But he was talking about that. But he was, he was making the point that the elder brother Dempsey was not one of those people. And the respect and the honor that he had for him. Uh, because of that, that he was not one of those that became, quote-unquote, offended in that way every time something did not go his way. There were many things that didn't go his way over the years, but he stayed true to, he was committed and dedicated to his church, to his leadership, and and to his brothers and sisters in the Lord, and that's quite a commendable thing, but he didn't allow himself to get offended. See, and that's what we're talking about tonight. We construct walls when we are hurt to safeguard our hearts and prevent the future wounds. That's human nature. We become selective, denying entry to all that we fear might hurt us. We filter out anyone we think owes us something. We withhold access until these people have paid their debts in full. But what we don't know is that eventually our walls of protection become walls of a prison that isolate us. At that point, we are not only cautious about who comes in, but so in terror of future injuries that we cannot even venture outside of our fortress ourselves because we have been hurt, because we have been offended. If left unchecked, offense will turn to bitterness. In Hebrews 12 and 15, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up, trouble you, and thereby make you defiled. We don't, we don't want that offense. We don't want that thing to turn into bitterness because bitterness will eat at you like a cancer and it will destroy every relationship you've got. If roots are nursed, watered, and protected, fed, and given attention, guess what? They increase in their depth and in their strength and they become more ingrained into our lives. If not dealt with quickly, Roots are hard to pull up, and they destroy the ground as they are being ripped from it. As the offense grows, many people become more and more and deeper and deeper corrupted by the attitude and by that thing. Francis Frangipane, an interesting name, but anyway... He made this statement one time, bitterness is unfulfilled revenge. Bitterness is unfulfilled revenge. Imagine how different Joseph's story would have been if he had yielded to that sin of being offended. 
But Joseph refused to let another person's sin affect his relationship with God. He refused to let their behavior dictate to him how he was going to live his life and how he was going to walk with his God. Joseph lost all of his inheritance and freedom, but still had the right to choose his response. He chose to forgive. He chose to forgive. If Joseph had been offended, he would later have killed his brothers when he could have rehearsed his offense. He chose instead to reverse his offense. Listen to Joseph's perspective on what could have absolutely offended him and destroyed him. Genesis 50 and verse 2. But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Joseph let God settle the balance instead of trying to do it himself. Joseph let God settle the score instead of taking it into his own hands. What a beautiful, beautiful perception and perspective Joseph had. He had every right to be angry, every right to be upset. And it wasn't because he was ignorant of what they had done. He knew, he even said it, I know that you meant it to harm me. I know that although God used it and brought good out of it, it wasn't your intention for me to end up here in Egypt. It was not your intention for me to be second in the kingdom. It was not your intention for me to be elevated to this great power and authority. It was your intention to get rid of me and to put me in slavery somewhere. It was not your intention, and I know that. And yet still, Still, when they showed up, Joseph was merciful to them, knowing that they had intended to do him harm. During his trials, Joseph could not see that his offenses were preparing him to rule and would result ultimately in his family's salvation. He didn't know that. He didn't understand that. If Joseph had yielded to bitterness and killed his brothers, I'm not so sure Joseph would have been saved because he would have been responding out of bitterness and revenge and anger. But let me point out, Judah was the ancestor of Jesus Christ. What do you suppose would have happened had Judah been killed by Joseph on that day? You never know 
what God is doing in the lives of people, yes, even people that may have harmed you, even people that may have hurt you, even people that may have, as Judah did, even people that may have intended to do you harm. Think about that for a moment. And yet, in all of that offense, in all of that harm, Judah was in line to be the ancestor, literally, of Jesus Christ himself. What would have happened had Joseph taken Judah's life? Something to think about, isn't it? We don't know what God has in store. And, and, and yes, people will hurt us. People, and, and some of them will do it intentionally. They will shout and dance with you and then walk out the back door and talk behind your back. Yeah. They will come up and pray with you and say, why don't you tell me what's wrong so I know how to pray for you. First of all, you don't need to know what's wrong with me to pray for me. <laughs> Just pray for me. God knows. Okay? Now, I'm not saying that I won't tell somebody, but I'm not... Uh, I'm not that gullible. I'm not going to tell a known gossiper what's wrong with me so they can pray for me. Because by pray, they mean get on the telephone and tell somebody what I heard. Oh, and, and, but they do it in such a nice way. Sister Chassie, please pray for Sister Horn. She's having a battle with lying. And don't laugh, Brother Crocker, because, oh, Sister Chassie, pray for Brother Crocker, because he's just mean and ornery. And, and, and I don't know, but I think I saw him take something out of the offering plate instead of putting something in. I just, we need to pray for him. You know, and that's what happened. So, yeah, don't, don't do that. Okay? Understand. It's not about knowing every problem in somebody's life, but we all have them. Right? And there will be people that will do that. I know people that have been to every church in this community, probably twice. And so, pardon me if I don't get really excited when you visit with us. Because I'm thinking, I wonder how long it'll last this time. You know, I'm just, and, and, but you know what? At the same time, I have to say, Lord, maybe one of these times it'll finally stick. Maybe one of these times you'll break through that habitual traveling salesman, Christian, and maybe one time. So we, we love them anyway. It doesn't mean I accept all of the things they've done or maybe the harmful things they might have said or the hurtful things they might have done to others or to myself. It doesn't mean I like that, but it just means, you know what, maybe they meant it for my evil, but God has other plans. And although Judah wanted me killed, God had other plans for his life. Does that make sense? Forgiveness is the only cure for offense. It really is. Forgiveness is the only way to cure it. When we forgive, we release the power of God to bring good 
out of a bad situation. It says in Romans 8 and 28, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. We often want to assign blame. If it weren't for blank, then I would blank. You know, you fill in the blank. Okay? My disappointment is their fault. No, no, no. What happened might have been their fault. But you chose to embrace the disappointment. You chose to embrace the offense. You chose to embrace the hurt. I'm not going to say it doesn't hurt us. But absolutely no man or devil can get you out of the will of God. Let me say that again. That bears saying a second time. Absolutely no man or devil can get you out of the will of God. Only you can thwart or stop or alter the will of God in your life when you get offended. When you allow that offense to take root. In the parable, Matthew chapter 18, I'm bringing this to a close. Um, after 18 and 7, there's a parable. Jesus emphasizes the consequences of unforgiveness. Of unforgiveness. There's consequences. A talent is uh, 75 pounds. 10,000 talents are 375 tons of gold today. At $375 an ounce, if you want to compare it to today's numbers, one servant owed $4.5 billion. Denarius wages, labor's daily wage was 100 denarii. Basically, it was uh, 40 days wages, so that one servant owed approximately $4,000. So one servant owned one-third of a year's wage. The other owed more than he could possibly earn in a lifetime. The unforgiving servant was turned over to the torturers, experienced pain in body and in mind, and he had to pay the original impossible debt. Why? Because the original debtor refused to forgive somebody that owed him a mere pittance in comparison. I owe you more than I can ever possibly imagine. I owe God more than I can ever possibly envision. And yet, if I allow people to offend me and to hurt me and I blame them for it, guess what? I am like the servant who chose not to forgive a debt that is so much smaller in comparison to what God has done for me. 
And so what God do? God added back the original debt. When you read the story, the leader said, you know what? You wouldn't forgive them this tiny little amount because you would not do that. I'm going to give you the same punishment you gave them. That's powerful. Would you want God treating you? This is a good question to ask yourself. Look at the person that has, quote, unquote, offended you and hurt you. Okay? You got it envisioned? Oh, come on. Don't tell me there isn't somebody in your life that you can envision right now. Because we'll have to pray for you. Come up and get anointed because you're lying. Picture them right now. Now. Put yourself in their position and put God in your position. And ask yourself, how would you want God to decide their fate? How would you want God to decide your fate? The the offender, the one that owed, would not allow others to be forgiven in their own life. You see, how do we gain a better salvation in our life? Learn to forgive. Let it go. I know that there will be things that were hurtful and harmful that happen in our lives. There will be people, and especially, especially when it's of the household of faith, there might even be people in this, this assembly that uh, have, have caused you some kind of harm or have caused you in some way some offense. And I understand that. Trust me. Um, can I just be blunt and say that for every offense that, that has ever happened to you, it's also happened to pastors, it's also happened to preachers, it's also happened to Sunday school teachers, it's also happened to elders, it's also happened to husbands just as much as it happens to wives and vice versa. It's happened to all of us. And they hurt. They hurt. But if I allow those hurts, and if you allow those hurts to go unchecked, you choose how you're going to react to them. And I will tell you this. It is a much better life to just say, you know what? It's in the hands of God. Maybe they didn't mean it for my harm and it was just a mistake. Or maybe they did. Maybe they really don't like me. Come on, let's be honest. You know how I know that? Because there's people you don't like. There's people I don't like. There are children of God that I know walk with God and love God, but I don't like them. I don't like their personality. We just don't get along. Yeah, come on. Can you say that? Can you nod your head and say, yeah, Brother Owen, there's times like that. But you know what? That's what makes life so colorful. I don't have to like them. I just have to pray for them and see God bless them. And that's what we have to understand. Offenses will come. And we can either allow them to put us in a cell somewhere 
and trap us, and the walls that we build will protect us for a time, but eventually those walls will turn into a prison, and they will hurt us and keep us isolated from something God wants to do. So what is the best advice? Forgive them. Forgive them. Now, folks, that doesn't mean that we have to be ridiculous. Um, you know, if I know somebody has a problem with stealing, I'm not going to leave my wallet lying around and tempt them. Although they could take it, it might get a couple bucks. But, um, you know, we had some guys, they backed a car up, and I hear clanging out here, and I walk out the door today in the middle of broad daylight, and I see some guy trying to steal one of our heavy-duty extension cords right here. I walk out and said, excuse me, but I think we need that. The guy didn't know what to do. He stared at me like, and he looked familiar. I'm still trying to place him where he is. But anyway, um, and he, he didn't, it's like caught red-handed, didn't have any idea. The cord is still laid out there on the ground, and I've got to go get it and hook it back up again. Um, an extension cord. You were, he was driving a Cadillac that had paper plates on it. I was wondering if it was stolen too. I don't know, but um, another guy driving, and I just, it, you know, we need that. That runs our septic system. Can you please not steal our cord? Um, 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 and before I could get my phone out and take a picture, they had already jumped in the car and left. But things happen. Won't it be interesting one day if that guy comes to church and gets the Holy Ghost? Wouldn't that be awesome? But anyway, forgive. Let it go. It'll eat you alive if you don't. God bless you. You love the Lord? One of the lessons from Joseph. And when he did, guess what? A whole family was saved. You, amen. You love the Lord tonight? Amen. Faith under fire, part one. You meant it for evil. But God made something good out of it. God bless you tonight. Thanks for being in the house of God.